Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries. We're impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. Our God is faithful. Amen. God, you're so good. God, you're so faithful. You would always make a way. Hallelujah. Father, we're grateful unto you for another time in your presence. It's such a joy to come before your throne of grace. It's such a joy. It's such a privilege to come before you, oh God. We do not take it for granted. So Lord, we say we appreciate you. Our King, our Father, the glory and the lifter up of our head, the I am that I am, the one who was and is to come, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Lord, we bless your name this morning. And as we come, Father God, we know we will not go by the same in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Father, this morning, our hearts are open. Our ears are open. Our hearts are receptive. Father, speak to us, oh God, that none of us will go back the same in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray and we worship. Amen and amen. Last week, we started on a, a mini-series, I'll call it. And it's a phrase that we're all familiar with. You know, albeit you, we, we tend to use it sort of like in the physical. But when we looked at it last week, we looked at it in relation to our walk with God. And that phrase, for the benefit of those who weren't here last week, is where are you? Where are you? You know, it's a common phrase that we, 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 we say and we ask that question. But normally when we ask that question, it's in relation to a physical place. You know, if I phone someone and say, where are you? The, the natural response will be, oh, I'm in Sainsbury's. Oh, I'm in Tesco. I'm at home. But last week, we looked at it from a different standpoint. Because when we look at the beginning of the Bible, that was a question that God asked Adam. And I said last week, is, was God asking because he didn't know where Adam was? Not at all. The Bible says he is he's omnipresent. He knows he's present everywhere at every standpoint. I don't know what's happening in the lobby there, but God knows. Even though I'm in the auditorium here, I don't know what's happening even at the back of the auditorium. But God knows every single thing that's happening. So God knew. So when we take that and look at it in its right context, God is asking us, where are we in our walk with him? Where are we spiritually? Family, we're only here for a short period of time. And it's important that we make it count. And that question relates to you, relates to me, and it relates to now. So it wasn't something, it wasn't just, oh, an Old Testament phrase that God said to Adam. You know, for those who did uh, maybe English literature in, in, in school, there's something that I, I, I can't remember the exact words, but you say, who said it? To whom? And on what occasion? So when I read the Bible, 
I'm always conscious of that question. Who said it? Who was the, who, who was the speaker? Who is it being addressed to? And what was the occasion? Because if we look at the writings of Apostle Paul, the way he spoke to the Galatians was not the same way he spoke to the church in Philippi. It was not the same way he spoke to the Ephesians. So that is why even last week I was saying something. We need to know God for ourselves. When somebody quotes a passage of scripture, we need to understand in what context is it. Who was God speaking to? Is it relevant to me now and, you know, if someone says, oh, you know, if I say, I would say something to um, someone and they say, oh, you know what, go and, oh, go and bring a cow or even go and bring a chicken and bring it and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pray over it. I have enough sense to know that that does not exist anymore. That was an Old Testament doctrine. We have the Holy Spirit in us. So it's important that we know God for ourselves. Where are we with our relationships with our spouse, our children, our parents, our co-workers, the brethren in church, people around us? And, you know, the question, we probably would say, okay, why am I talking about relationship? Give me a few minutes and I'll, 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 I'll help us to understand, you know. But my question is, are those relationships, are they strong? Or how strong are they? Are they balanced? Or are they strained relationships? You see, you are the only one that can answer that question. I can't answer those questions for you. And you're the only one that can change those relationships. So your relationship with the next person is determined on how you want it to be. And you drive that, those relationships. And th the direction of those relationships are dependent on you most of the time. And I say most of the time because there are people that just don't want to do life with you. Don't want anything to do with you. And you can't do anything about that. But there's one person that I know that would always want to do life with you. And that is the almighty God. So in relation to God... It is 100% dependent on you and I. God is prepared to go the long haul with us. But it's up to us. God is always available. He's always there. His arms are always open wide. His ears are always open. Hallelujah. You see, I read, wrote this down. You are where you are today. Because of who you were. And that's because of the choices that you have made. Where you go spiritually is dependent entirely on you. And what you choose and how you choose it to be. So the choices that we make. You can't say I want to grow close to God. But you don't pray. You don't read your Bible. You don't search the word. And that's why the Bible, you know, the Bible pens this down for us. It talks about the Berean Christians. What was their lifestyle? Every time they heard the word, they went back home and they searched the scrolls for themselves. And last week, one thing I remember saying was, what we get in church on a Sunday is just a starter. There's the main course and there's also the dessert. So it's important that we go back and search the scriptures for ourselves. 
So why am I emphasizing on relationships? Because your relationship will determine your obedience. Amen? Where are you? For you to answer that question, for you to say, here I am, send me. There has to be an element of obedience. You obey out of honor or out of fear. Now, there are people that obey out of fear because there's a repercussion. But when you are obedient unto God, there is a blessing attached to it. So relationships determine your level of honor. And it will determine the extent you go. God cannot use us if we're not available. So it's one thing to know the scripture. It's another thing for us to be available for God to use us. And we're going to take a look at some, of, some examples this morning. You see, no one does live alone. And that's why it's called relationship. So you're either in relationship with your children or with a friend or your spouse or your parents or your co-workers. But there is somebody you're in relationship with. No man's an island. Hallelujah. And that's why they say it takes two to what? To tango. So what we're going to look at today is the other part of that. We looked at where are you last week. And I want us to look at here I am this week. Amen. So one thing, and I'm going to share this from the standpoint of, of children and their parents. And, you know, I read this funny enough, it was, it was my devotional this morning, and it just so fits in. I had to pull it into the message, you know. And it was talking about, it says, take your children. Take your children. And why is it important to the message? It's important because the Bible says we start them young. And that is why God said to Abraham, he says, I have known him. I have called him. Why? Because I know he will teach his what? His children's children concerning me. So, and you know, I, I really gave thought to that this morning. That if every parent, every parent on planet earth was a Christian and taught their children from such a small age, we will not have the issues we're having today. Because we will come together, we will have that one focus. And our focus will be to please God. All the calamity that we face in the world today will not be there. You see, you, all you need to do is look at a child and you're preaching on a Sunday and he's answering amen. Or you're, there's praise and worship going on and he's singing along. For you to know that this is a child... That prays at home. A child would emulate what they see. So, it talks about a lot. And let me, just, let me just go through this just to give us some, some, some clarity. It says, Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom. Now, for those of us that know about Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah are two cities that were full of wickedness. So why would you move your tent to Sodom of all places? 
Why? And that was the place where he ended up losing his wife because she turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back. When she was instructed not to look back, she disobeyed. So Jesus puts it this way, Matthew 18, 6. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, whose, um, those who believe in me to stumble, if we as parents or carers of these young children, if we cause the children to stumble, it will be better for them to, to, to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of sea. Why is that? Because children are so important to Jesus. And that's why he said, suffer not the children to come unto me. For theirs is what? The kingdom of God. Children are innocent. They don't hold the grudges we adults hold. They see things plainly. And that's why the Bible says we should train up a child. It didn't say train up an adult. Train up a child in the way they should go. So that when they grow old, it will not, they will not depart from it. So there's a reason we need to be intentional with children. It says, implicit in those words is a sobering challenge to every parent and every person who is a role model for children. Your moral authority doesn't come from your knowledge, but from the lifestyle and your integrity. As your children grow, they're less apt to listen to what you say and more inclined to imitate what you do. And we see that happen time and time again. He said, you know, Abraham and Lot shared the, the same family. Nephew, uh, he was his nephew. Lot was uh, Abraham's nephew. So they came from the same family. They had the same faith. They had the same opportunities in life. But at the point where they separated, something happened. So when it came to raising children, Abraham raised up roses and lots what had weeds because they'd already separated Abraham followed God while Lord, Lot followed his own what selfish ambitions because if we remember the account right they, their headsmen were fighting and it was just becoming too much and Abraham called him and said listen Lot you are my family we can't carry on like this Okay, look at all this vast land. You choose a place for you. And, you know, when you look at it, out of that selfishness, Abraham is the older one. And he's saying, okay, you choose. Instead of him to, ah, uncle, no, don't worry, sir. You choose. Whatever is left, I will take. No, 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 no. He looked around and he saw where he thought was green. How many of us know that the grass is not always greener on the other side? He took what he thought was the greener side and he went. And we know how that ended. So, you know, before everything else happened, Lot had lost his moral, moral authority over his family. So, here is the question. As a parent, where are we pitching our tent? How intentional are we 
with our children. It also happened to King David, and I'm not going to go into that this morning, but, you know, when we look at what God has called us to do, we've been talking about living out our purpose. That is our theme for the year, living out our purpose. So how does that start? It starts with us making sure that our children come to the knowledge and the truth of the Almighty God. Because there comes a time when they get to the age of accountability. You can't drag them to church anymore. Unless it's just by the grace of God. But it's important that between that period, we have put enough on the inside of them. To the point that we can now say, I have done my best. There's a saying that says, do your best and leave the rest. We do what we can do. And then God will do what we cannot do. Amen. So let's take a look at a few examples. What we're talking about this morning is, here I am. Where are you? Here I am. And we're looking at a number of people. There's so many of them. But we're looking at a number of people in Scripture. Right? In Scripture that answered that call to God. That God, here I am. My relationship with you matters. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. And we know this is when Abraham's faith was tested to the extreme. Bible says sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. And he said, Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. And I pray for each one of us. That we are, if not at that point, we are at a, uh, on the journey to be able to say, God, here I am. Whatever it is that you have called me to do. I said this last week and I've said it over time. God will never allow us to do life by ourselves. When he calls us, he equips us. He equips us. Amen? It says, take your son, your only son. Yes, just in case you have any doubts. <laughs> Isaac, whom you love so much. Uh-uh. You put it in and then you're staring. <laughs> and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show to you. Which I will show you. Now, this is verse 2. Verse 3 says, the next morning, Abraham got up early. There's nowhere here where the Bible says, well, Abraham questioned God. That might have happened, but it wasn't there. But I'm sure if Abraham questioned God, it would be there. Because when Moses was called, and Moses said, I have impediment of speech, it was in the Bible. So, if Abraham had done the same thing, if he had complained, I'm sure the Bible would have said, but you know what? If the Bible doesn't say it, we move on and focus on what the Bible says. Amen? So, the Bible says, the next morning, Abraham got up early. That's immediate obedience. And saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him. 
along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped the wood for a fire for the bond offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, with the donkey Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood on the fire offering on Isaac's shoulders while he, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood. The boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Obedience. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called unto him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a finger, don't lay a hand on, that, on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Amen. What is it that we are holding back from God? God is saying, where are you? Where are you? What is it that we're holding on to that God cannot have in our lives? Is it our jobs? Is it our children? Is it our business? Is it the money in our bank account? You're the only one that can answer that question. But what God is challenging us on this morning is that we get to a point where we can say, here I am. Here I am. Send me. What's the point here? This clearly shows the depth of the relationship between Abraham and God. God called him to an assignment and he obeyed. But God sent him an alternative. Because God was not want, wanting him to actually stab his, kill his son. But he wanted to see how far would Abraham go. Brothers and sisters, how far are you prepared to go for God? How far? That question is for you and I. And you're the only one that can answer that. The Bible tells us about another prominent person in the Bible. One that we can very much relate to. Because the first one might be far-fetched that we can't relate to that. How can God ask me to, to go and sacrifice my son? But the second one we can relate to very, very well. You're engaged. 
you're planning your wedding. You're looking in the catalogs. You're looking at dresses. You've even chosen Ashwebi. You phoned people. And then one day you're sitting there, jet jelly on your own, minding your own business. Maybe you're having Bankuo, Bankuo and Okro. Or you're having jollof rice or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, some angel turns up and says, Sister Mary, uh -uh, how are you? You're favored of God. And she looks like, what sort of greeting is that? Before she knows it, she's been told she has to, she has to be the one to carry the Messiah. I mean, how does that actually sound? I mean, if, if someone turns around to you, and you know, <laughs> angel, the angel probably did not come the way we think angels come, you know, all massive and big with, you know, very large wings. It might have been somebody that came and said, I have a word for you from the Lord. God is saying that you will be the Messiah. You will be the one to carry the Messiah. I don't know about you, but the first thing I'll say is, <laughs> I think you've got the wrong person. I'm engaged. I'm getting ready for my wedding. I've actually booked the hall. I've paid all the vendors. So I don't want anything to disrupt this plan of mine. If possible, I'll start fasting and praying and say, uh -uh, get thee behind me, Satan. But we know how that pans out. She had to put her marriage, uh, her marriage plans on, 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 on hold. And what was her response? Be it unto me according to your word. But you know, she still asked that prominent question. Because she's only human. And I, do, I so like these examples. Because we are also human. When we are unsure, God will bring clarity. We do not serve a God of confusion. How would it be? Seeing that I know no man. Because she knows the process. She knows what it means to have a child. If somebody turns up and says, oh, wow, you know, I've, I've, I've just had a baby. I'll say congratulations. Okay, who is the guy? I, oh, no, 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 there was no guy. I just, I just had a baby. Do you know, I'll start to pray for the person because I'll think, yes, something, something has happened up there. Because we ever only know of one immaculate conception. And that is the only one there would ever be. Amen? But she put her plans on hold. But there's something else that I want us to understand from this passage. She was, um, she, 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 she was convinced that it was God speaking to her. And why do I say this? When God calls you, you will be convinced that it is God calling you. And when God calls you, he will send you help. And when God calls you, he would ensure that you are not doing life by yourself. How do, I mean, you know, for those of us who, who, who work, 
how, how would you feel if you applied for, there's a job application, you go onto LinkedIn, and there's a job for a role, maybe you know about, or you, a role you've done or you've never done before, but you, oh, oh you like the perks, there's the, there's the perks, there's the, you know, you get a company car, a phone, you get all the perks that go with it, you know, a bonus, but there's no job description. How many of you would take that job? No one, even if it pays a million, would you? You'll take it. You'll take the job, right? Not, not knowing what the job description is. You'll take it, right? And then, okay, that's fine, right? And then after taking the job, right, if there's a clause there stating that you will get all the perks, but... Once you know what the job description is, you cannot go back on it. You haven't got a choice after you've taken the job. Because now, the money is going to start rolling in. The perks, the car, everything, even the holidays. Right? And then if it's a job that is against your morals, against your beliefs as a child of God, what do you do? We've gone quiet. The money is going to be rolling in now. Huh? It's not about the money. Now, why do I say this? Some of us go into roles, spiritual roles as well. And it's sad. We've heard it out there. Oh, I'll, big, I'll build a mega church. Ah, the world will know. And some people start, they start well, but fall off track. Because that relationship with God has, the wide has, the gap has widened. There's something a sister here said years ago, and I always hold on to that. You know, I'm, I'm quite warm. At the moment, that's why I've got the fan on. But what would happen if I go and unplug it? It will stop working. So the only way I can keep cool is to keep the fan plugged in. The only way we can keep on track, the only way that we can fulfill purpose is for us to keep plugged in to our almighty God. So when God calls us, he might not show us the whole picture because he wants us to walk with him step by step. We're moving forward. Little by little, we're beginning ground. Every step, God unveils the next to us. So we still have, we, we, with God, we have a, we have a job description. What's the job description? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's all we need to know. How he will do that is up to him. I don't know how. 
I don't know when, but he will do it. I will make you fishers of men. That is our job description. And you can be fishing for men, singing unto the Lord, or you could be doing it helps. Whatever place God wants to put us is up to God. But it is important that we're yielding unto him. And that's why I so much love Apostle Paul's account. I so much love it. And you know, even as an unbeliever, Apostle Paul knew about God. And that is why he was so determined then that he was going to go and persecute the Christians. And that's why when the light shone on him on the way to Damascus, what did he say? What did he say to God? Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? What was his answer? How many of us remember that? Let's read that. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I'll take it from verse 4. Oh, no, by verse 3 actually. It says, as he was approaching Damascus on his mission to go and persecute the Christians, that was. It says, a light from heaven shone suddenly upon, upon him and around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And what was his answer? Who are you, Lord? So he knew about God. Otherwise, he wouldn't, answer, he wouldn't say, Lord. He'd probably say, ah, what's wrong? What's happened to me? But he said, who are you, Lord? So he knew. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, who, are you, who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city. And you will be told what to do. And if we read that account further down, right? God already had somebody in place for, to go and speak to him by the name of Ananias. So what is it I'm trying to get us to understand today? That when God calls us, don't think that you're going to be left alone. And I'm emphatic about when God calls when God calls, we have to be persuaded that God has called us. And when we're persuaded that God has called us, when we face challenges, we'll be able to go back to God. Moses went back to God time and time again. You know, we've been studying about help. If we actually read Numbers chapter 11, and I don't know how many of us read that, you know, during last week's um, assignment for Bible study. I read chapter 11. And... Moses went back to God at points and said, listen, all these people that you gave, you've given me, I'm not their father. I can't, I can't deal with these guys. And that was when God said to him, you know, okay, go and get 70 elders. There were two elders that didn't come. So God sent him help. So I'm encouraging us this morning. God would always send us help. One thing God is expecting of us is to say, here I am. Once we're yielding to God, the rest, leave it into the hands of God. 
So I'm going to round up with this same question. Where are you? And I hope your answer is, here I am, Lord. Send me. God bless you. Amen. If you were blessed by today's message, why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.